At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, this morning as we gather, we're, we're going to be looking at Psalm 23 together. And Psalm 23 begins with a statement, but that statement is a, also a fantastic question for you to ask yourself today. That question is this, who is your shepherd? Who is your shepherd? Now, we don't live, most of us, in some kind of an agricultural environment, and so this is an example that maybe isn't readily accessible to us, so let me ask it a different way. Whose voice matters to you most? Whose instructions do you always heed and follow? Who are you placing your hope in or your trust in? Who are you obeying? We think about placing it in those terms. If we're honest, some of us might say that my shepherd is is me or my shepherd is some perspective on life that has been shared to me by a different religious system, or, or my, my shepherd or my guide is another person who I always turn to and I look for their approval and their eyes to, to find meaning and direction for my life. But it's also true of many of us in this room, and my hope by the end of our morning is that this is true of all of us in this room, that there is another option, there's a better option for who our shepherd is. There's a better option to shepherd your life than you. I hope you're not offended by that. There's a better option for who shepherds our life than a good friend of yours or somebody who's successful in business, maybe a mentor, or that family down the street that seems like they have everything together. Friends, the shepherd that is best suited for your life is none other than God himself. And friends, this morning we're going to look at a psalm, a 3,000-year-old song written by King David that will remind us both of the opportunity to have the Lord as our shepherd, but, but also why that matters. We're going to see that together this morning and, and looking forward to that. You know, while would we talk about following Jesus together to the glory of God, we might add a question to our time today, and that question is this, why would we follow him? Hopefully, as we look at Psalm 23, we'll be reminded of why we follow Jesus, our shepherd. Psalm 23 is just six verses, but it's full of incredible truth for us this morning. I want to read this psalm for us, and then we're going to back up and move through it in four different movements today before we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Psalm 23 says, it is a psalm of David. It was written by King David. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, friends, in these six verses today, I want us to see four different things from this psalm that would be an encouragement to us this morning. The first thing I want us to see is I want us to see David's initial statement as he begins this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, you'll notice in your translation of the scripture that you have in front of you that the word Lord is all cap, L-O-R-D. Now, when you see that inside of your Old Testament, that is a clue that that word Lord is actually a, a translation of God's proper name, God's name that he gave to Moses, his covenant name with his people. We might think of it as Yahweh or Jehovah. When that word L-O-R-D, all cap, appears, it is a, is a relationship that denotes a word that, or a name that denotes a relationship with God. And here, the statement is that the Lord, God himself, is our shepherd. Now, what's interesting about this, when we think about God being our shepherd, is we think about all that that implies and all that flows out of his very character. Uh, Warren Wearsby actually did some work on this psalm, and he looked at all of the different places inside the Old Testament where a compound name of God is found. Maybe one of the most famous of those you've heard is, is the phrase Jehovah Jireh. Have you ever heard that before? There was like a little catchy song back in the 80s, you know, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Okay. Nobody here has heard that song. All right, great, perfect. Um, but there are a number of compound names of God inside of uh, the Old Testament where the name of God, Jehovah, is, is put alongside a modifier and its, its description. In other words, God is so much this, it's a part of his character. And, and what Wearsby did was he looked at these compound names of God translated in this second column, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, Jehovah Sidkenu, you didn't think I was going to get that right, right? Um, the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, Jehovah M. Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. He sees all of these instances where this compound name of God is used and then places where that title is, is mentioned inside of the Old Testament. But then what Wearsby does is such a gift for us because he looks at how that title of God is demonstrated at some point inside of the 23rd Psalm. In other words, our God who provides for us so we shall not want. Our God who is our peace leads us beside the still waters. Our God who heals restores our soul. Our God who is our righteousness leads us in paths of righteousness. Our, our God who is there lets us know that, that he is with us even in the midst of the valley of deepest darkness. The God who is our banner has prepared a table before us. He's, he's honoring us. The God who sanctifies is the one who anoints our head with oil. We see over and over again inside of this that God's behavior towards his people is an expression of who he is. In other words, friends, for God to not act this way towards his people would mean that God would cease to be God. 
when we think of the Lord being our shepherd, it is God himself who comes to care for us, who comes to guide us, who comes to provide our direction. He does not outsource that responsibility, but he takes it upon himself because he wants Muriel to know that the Lord will provide for her. And the same could be said for each of us in this room. The Lord is our shepherd. What an amazing thing that, that, that David says, not just that the Lord is a shepherd, but David says, the Lord is my shepherd. David sees in, in God the one who he follows, the one whose opinion of him matters the most. He sees in God his everything. And so he comes to him and he says, Lord, you are my shepherd. And friends, the same thing is available to you and I today as well. Who is your shepherd? Guess what? The Lord is available in his offering to be your shepherd. Now, who is the Lord? What's interesting is, in, in light of what we know in the New Testament, this idea of the, the Lord is applied to, to who? Who is called the Lord in the New Testament? The Lord who? The Lord Jesus. And throughout the New Testament, we, we see Jesus described as the shepherd, right? We see it in John chapter 10, verse 11. He is the good shepherd. We see it in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. He is the great shepherd. He, he, he's described in the most you know, extreme terms. What we see in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, that he is the chief shepherd. Friends, the good, the great, and the chief shepherd is available to lead and to guide you this year. And not only this year, but for the rest of your days. Friends, when I say that, for some of you, there is a, a sense of, of relief. There is a sense of, of, of praise that comes inside of your, your mind and your heart and your soul today because you're saying in that, in that very moment, I'm so thankful that the Lord is my shepherd. But for others of you today, uh, this is creating a, a point of tension and of conflict because the Lord is not your shepherd, and, and your life is, is not marked by the things that we're going to, to read later on in this, this psalm. But, but here's the thing. For each of us here, know that the Lord is offering to be your shepherd. Jesus loved the world, and so he came into this world and offered his life as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins. This, this offer to be our shepherd is available to each and every one of us. Now, if the Lord is your shepherd, then what might we expect? What are, what, are, what are some things that we might be able to say? How might we be able to respond if the Lord is our shepherd? Well, the, the, the psalmist David gives us three different statements I want us to look at that he can say because the Lord is his shepherd. The first statement that he makes that, that he can say because the Lord is his shepherd is this, he can make the statement that he shall not want. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
Now, when we, we hear that, that, that King David says he shall not what, to some degree, the fact that he's a king makes us go, oh, come on. Of course he shall not want. An entire nation is providing resources for this guy, right? I mean, he lives in a palace, not in the projects, but he lives in the palace. It's easy for somebody who lives in the palace to talk about not having want. This guy is not scrounging around for food, but he is eating from the king's table. I mean, come on. He shall not want, sure, of course, King David, we get it. But let's think for a moment about everything that David had gone through in his life. David had spent years of his life on the run from Saul who wanted to kill him. David had experienced marital challenges, we'll call it that, that he had gone through. David had experienced the heartbreak of the death of a child. David had another child that tried to lead a rebellion and overthrow him. David had had his name smeared. David had led troops into battle and watched those troops, his friends, die on the battlefield. The guy who had experienced all of those things and all of that pain and all of that heartache is able to make the statement that he shall not want. Now, friends, in this room, we may not live in the palace and we may not be able to relate to being the king, but I promise there is something in David's experience of loss and pain that you can relate to today. Wouldn't it be amazing for us to be able to say in the midst of loss and pain that we shall not want? What's possible if the Lord is our shepherd? How can David say he shall not want? Well, he can say that because of what the Lord does for him. He describes this again in the terms of a shepherd. He says that the Lord makes him lie down in green pastures. This is like a shepherd guiding the sheep to not the the barren rock pile, but to the place where there is grass, where they have something to eat and it's soft to lay down on. Now, we live in a, you know, right now there's a lot of yellow outside, right? Right? Um, but here's, I got to tell you, if we were to go to Israel right now, you would not just see a lot of yellow, you would see a lot of brown. This is a dry country. Water is a scarce commodity. The good shepherd takes his sheep and doesn't just have them stand in the rock pile and lick the rocks and hope to get a mineral or two off of them. The good shepherd takes those sheep and he takes them to the green pasture where they have something to eat and it's soft for them to lie down. David uses that as the backdrop and he says, Lord, you are like this good shepherd. You have provided for my my needs. Not only does he use that example, but he, he says he leads me beside the still waters. Sheep don't like to eat fast moving or drink fast moving water. Did you know that? I didn't. Some of you may have sheep at your house, and you might be able to give a testimony to this. But from what I understand, sheep don't like to drink fast-moving water. And so a good shepherd would not just take them to the area where there was grass, but if the water was fast-moving, the the shepherd would dam up the water so that it would back up and slow down so that the sheep might have something to drink. David sees that kind of tender and personal care from God to him. Not only does he make him lie down in green pastures and lead him beside the still waters, but he also restores his soul. A shepherd would would look at the sheep and care for them, and if there was a sheep who was wounded, that shepherd would care for them, maybe bind a leg up, maybe treat them for an illness. 
David sees in the Lord's care for him like a good shepherd who is caring for his very life, restoring him to health, caring for his every need. Not only that, but he says he he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He takes him down the right trails to where they need to go. He doesn't lead him off a cliff. The Lord is providing for David. Now, friends, the parallels are, are, are big for our lives. When we say the Lord is our shepherd, then we have the one with limitless resources who cares for us and can provide for us. That includes physical needs, but it also includes our spiritual needs. When I read these phrases here about restoring our soul, I thought about just the epidemic inside of our world today of anxiety and depression is going through people's lives, and I'm so thankful that I know a shepherd And so many of you know a shepherd who has a desire to restore the souls of people, to bind up and to care for. When I think about the challenges that are faced, and they're myriad and numerous in the world, we know the one who is able to provide. He comes alongside and he invites to care for us to the point that we would be able to look and to say, Lord, because you are guiding me, I shall not want. That doesn't mean there aren't other things I'm going to want. But it means according to the purpose of his name's sake, I will have everything I need for the life that he's called me to live. I can rest in that. Friends, the Lord is your shepherd. You can say, I shall not want. If you know the Lord is your shepherd, would you just say that with me right now? I shall not want. Another thing that that David says, though, is not just that he shall not want, but he says that he will fear no evil. He will fear no evil. Now, we see this in what is maybe the most famous verse inside of this psalm, and in verse 4, where he talks about fearing no evil, but he, he says he fears no evil not when he's in the comfort of his home, not when everything is going well. But he says it's possible to, to fear no evil if the Lord is your shepherd when you're walking through the what is translated here, the valley of the shadow of death. Bruce mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but an even better translation of the valley of the shadow of death is the valley of deepest darkness. It certainly could include death, but it also would include any darkness or opposition or struggle or trial that you might be going through. It could include the the, the valley of the darkness of having a spouse die before you or having a child that you have to, to bury or having a friend who goes away, but it also could include the, the, the breaking of a relationship, whether that's in a divorce or whether that's in a fight with a good friend or an estrangement from a child. It could include the, the difficulty of disease. It could include opposition and persecution because of our faith in Christ. Any number of things fit this description of the valley of deepest darkness. But what, what's amazing about that is that 
David says that as he goes through this valley of deepest darkness, he can have a confidence that he will not fear whatever the evil is that comes. Now, now how is it that that could happen? How is it that it could happen that someone could face an unknown enemy, any evil, any danger that might be faced? How is it that someone could say with such confidence, I will fear no evil? Well, David lets us know. If the Lord is our shepherd, he says, he will fear no evil because, what does it say next? For you are with me. Now, shepherds lead and sheep follow, but in the midst of the deepest valley, where is the shepherd? Is he a long ways ahead? No, where is he? Right beside us. You might think of it in terms of holding our hand in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that deepest darkness. And if the Lord the, the, the God who created it all is the one who's standing beside us. No wonder we might be able to say that we will fear no evil because he's with us. I mean, if I'm alone, there are a lot of challenges, a lot of dangers that can overtake me. But if I'm with him, hey, that's, that's pretty great, right? You can, might, might imagine if you were, uh, you know, you have, you have a small child and they, they go to school in, what is it, nine days? They go to school, and they walk into that school, and they end up in opposition with a bully, and your little first grader is, is being pushed around, and some other little first grader is giving him a hard time, and that little first grader says, I want to meet you at the bike racks at 3 o'clock, and your kid is a little nervous, right? Well, what if Jalen Hurts went with him, right? I mean, two little first graders and Jalen. Who's Jalen standing beside? I'm going to take the one that Jalen is standing with. And in the same way, David looks at life and he looks at the deepest, darkest valleys and he says, no matter where I go, because the Lord is with me, I will not fear. And he pictures the Lord as one who is able to protect. He says that his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Derek Kidner in his commentary on the Psalms says this about this description. He says, the rod is a, a cudgel worn at the belt. It's like a, a, a stick to fight with. And the staff to walk with and to round up the flock. You've seen a little crook to gather the sheep as they're running away. These were the shepherd's weapon in his implement. The former for defense, the latter for control since discipline is security. Setting aside this metaphor, only the Lord can lead a man through death. All other guides turn back, and the traveler must go on alone. Friends, if the Lord is with us, then no matter what we face in this life, and no matter what we face even in death, nothing, in the words of Romans chapter 8, nothing can separate us the love of God who is with us. And there is no one or no thing more powerful than him. Therefore, we can say in the face of this reality, I will fear no evil. Now, friends, I don't know what valley you're walking through right now. 
You might be walking through a, a valley of divorce. You might be walking through the valley of, of physical pain. You might be walking literally through a, a valley of death as you're mourning the loss of a loved one. You might be walking through the valley of uncertainty in your workplace. No matter where you are walking, wouldn't it be wonderful to know that you could have no fear? How is that possible? It's possible by having the right shepherd. If the Lord is your shepherd, you can have no fear even as you walk through the valley of deepest darkness. The Lord is our shepherd, I shall not want. And and here we, we have this phrase, if the Lord is your shepherd, might we say this together? I will fear no evil. But he continues inside of this this psalm, and he makes another statement in verse 6 that I want us to conclude with before we celebrate communion together. He says this, he says, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, we we see this in verses 5 and 6 inside of this psalm. He makes that statement, obviously, uh, at the end of uh, the psalm, he makes that, that statement. But he leads up to this, this place of, of honor and blessing before the Lord, his shepherd, by really switching his metaphors. If he talked about the Lord as his shepherd, now he talks about the Lord as his host. And in the, the ancient Middle East, when, when somebody would, would come to you, if, if you were to receive them into your home, you would do a number of things. And things that are, are listed here, if you were to receive someone into your care. One of the things you would do if you were in the ancient Near East and somebody came to your house and you were to receive them into your home is you would prepare a table before them. You would set out the food. You would, you would go and you would, you would cook that piece of meat that you had set aside for Saturday dinner for your family. You would get it out and you would, you would cook it right then and share it with your guest to eat because you have received him into your home or her. He says, you anoint my head with oil. Not only would you provide them something to eat, but in the ancient Near East, If you were to receive somebody into your home, you would take some oil and you would place it on their head as if to say, I am offering my protection to you. You're you're safe here. You anoint the head with oil. And not only that, but if that cup began to get empty that they were drinking after a long day's journey, you would continue to keep it full of water, like the best server at Ted's. Just keep it right there full. So they they always had something fresh to drink. And that way, a good host would welcome someone in and said, I'm offering you protection, I'm offering you food, and I'm going to continue to bless you as long as you are present inside of, of of my jurisdiction here, inside of my home. This picture of the good host is a picture of the way that the Lord cared for David. And it's a picture of the way he cares for us. But, but I, I think that there's another possibility for us to see inside of this story that might help it come alive even more for us. And that is to think about when David might have written this psalm. Now, friends, we don't know when David wrote Psalm 23. Sometimes, because we know that David had a background as a shepherd, we think that he might have written this as a young boy out on the hillside watching some sheep, writing a song about sheep and shepherds and and the Lord. And it's possible that he did. 
But it's also possible that he wrote this at a later time in his life. And, and friends, I think there are some clues inside of this psalm, particularly inside of these last two verses, that might indicate that David wrote this not early in his life, but late in his life. And not just at any time in his life, but possibly at one of the low moments of his life, when his son Absalom was leading a rebellion against him. See, Absalom had, had gathered uh, an army. He had, he had run his father out of town, and he was seeking the throne. And so David takes off from the village. Can you imagine if your son was after you and, and wanted to kill you and wipe you out? What that must feel like. Not just the loss of power, but the loss of family. The, the sting of rejection. Well, David takes off and and he moves east, and he crosses the Jordan River, and he ends up in a place called Mahanim. And in 2 Samuel chapter 17, we see David in this location being received by the people of that town of Mahanim, which was actually one of the communities that was known as a place of refuge, where those who were being accused of a crime might be able to go where they might end up getting a, a free or a, or a fair trial by taking refuge in a city so that the lynch mob couldn't get him. David goes to this place, and when he shows up there, Absalom pursues him. Mahanim was surrounded by the land of Gilead, and, and in all of the, the, the area of Gilead are the armies that want to kill David, and David is in the city of refuge, Mahanim. And while he is there, what happens is, is really amazing because we see the people of that city come to David. And in verse 28 of 2 Samuel 17, this is what they say. They said they brought beds and basins and earthen vessels, wheat and barley and flour, parched grain, beans and lentils, honey and curds and sheep and cheese from the herd for David and the people with him to eat. For they said, these people are hungry and weary and thirsty from the wilderness. I want you to think about this for a moment. David is in the presence of his enemies. And in the presence of his enemies, God has provided a place of refuge where a table of honor has been prepared for him. And the oil of, for, of protection and anointing was placed on him by that village. And his cup is running over with blessing as God has provided a way through this city to care for David in this place. And David, in that moment, says, Oh, Lord, thank you for preparing this place for me in the presence of my enemy. My, my, my cup runs over. And David makes these, this amazing statement. He says, if you imagine the scenario, Absalom and the army is pursuing him. But David here says, I'm pursued not by my enemies. I'm pursued not by Absalom, but what is he vigorously pursued by? Well, what does he say? Surely what is following me, what is vigorously pursuing me all of my days? Goodness and mercy. In other words, even on the run, from challenges and difficulties in this life, God is providing for him goodness and his loving kindness. So that even in that faraway city, not back in the palace, David is experiencing the blessing of God. 
And so David makes this confident declaration. If that's the way God is pursuing me, even in this low moment, so I have confidence that I will be able to spend all of my days with him. Friends, the Lord loves you. He cares for you. And he desires to provide for you, even in challenging and difficult situations and moments. Even in the the presence of enemies and deep and dark valleys, God is able to deliver his loving kindness and his mercy and his goodness to you. Sometimes that shows up through the care of a friend. Sometimes it it throws up. Sometimes it shows up through um, just the right verse being shared at the right moment. Sometimes it, it shows up through a song that you hear on the radio or an encouragement of those around you. But friends, God is not incapable of pursuing you with his love and his mercy and his kindness even today. Now, when we see this and we see this inside of this psalm, we need to also think about what this means for us as followers of Jesus. In light of the New Testament, we have not just the idea that God is able to deliver his goodness and his mercy in our life today, but also that God is able to deliver his goodness and his mercy to us forever as he invites us into the Father's house. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, Jesus says this to the disciples. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know that the, the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to Thomas and encourages each of us this morning with this truth. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, if you are trusting in Christ, then you have made a declaration that the Lord is your shepherd. And if the Lord is your shepherd, not only do we have the opportunity to fear no evil in this life, not only do we have the opportunity to to be able to truthfully say we shall not want, but also we have the opportunity to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Spending an eternity with God in heaven. Friends, there is no other shepherd like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you trust him today? Come into his flock by simple faith, just acknowledging that he is holy and good and we are sinful and broken and that Jesus' death paid the penalty for our sins. And so through his gift of life, we have the opportunity to spend an eternity with God. Just believing and embracing that takes us inside of his flock where he can care for and provide for us forever. Forever. 